welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast, episode 20. I'm your host, the Big Easy, Duncan Joyce, and I'm joined once again by uh, something else relating to New Orleans. It's Mr. Kyle Cambry. Hi, welcome to the show. Yeah, and it's good to have our friend Dave Summerton once again. All right, Dave? Yeah, good, good. How are we doing, guys? Nice and relaxed now, getting back into college life after the, the big half-term break. WrestleMania uh-huh. tidied me over. Nicely. All good. Alright, I was at my cousin's wedding on Friday. Nice. Nice event, yeah. Just a load of driving on the M6. Oh god. Yeah, it's alright. Dave, been up too much? Feels like all I've been doing is watching wrestling this week, which is good and bad. I think there probably has been like literally a week's worth of wrestling. Yeah, I, f- I felt <laughs> in the like past week. just after after Mania, I was like, I'm on and need to stop watching wrestling now. That is too much wrestling <laughs> for one week, but apparently it wasn't because I've done about another 12 hours since then. I watched the Impact versus Lucha Underground show. It was on their Twitch. Yeah. That was oh, alright. It had its moments, yeah. Like it didn't have a, really the feel of either show because it was just like a, a regular con. And loads of the Lucha Underground people are in Impact anyway, so yeah. it didn't really feel like a proper head-to-head, but there was some good stuff there as well. It's WrestleMania, baby! Woo! <laughs> oh. We finally made it! The I road know. to WrestleMania. We've made it on time. <laughs> it's funny how there's never traffic. Yeah. I always get no. there on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny that. Even after five hours of a Hall of Fame and three hours of TakeOver. But everything's been running over long, determined to slow us down, but we're here, it's fine. Yeah. The Hall of Fame was quite good. Enjoyed mm-hmm. that. The Dudleys were funny. Devon was really funny. I liked Mark Henry's speech as well. Yeah, there were some really, really nice speeches. So, here we are. April the 8th, 2018, from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, no, was it not the Silverdome? I'm sorry, brothers! <laughs> it is the Superdome! <laughs> 78,133 fans in attendance. This is an extraordinary long show with an extraordinary long pre-show, which kicked off with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Booker T's an idiot. The network is free for new users for WrestleMania. Oh. Okay. And <laughs> Booker T, because he thinks he's funny, he was like, oh, well, it's free 99 Oh, yes. No, because no, <laughs> that's still 99 cents, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I it, it works, because even people who, who aren't interested knew it was free. Because yeah. we watched 10 minutes of the TakeOver pre-show the night before at our house, and Louise was... <laughs> Asked me about three times how much it was for the network. Are you sure it's free? Because in that ten minutes, they must have mentioned it about eight times. Mm, yeah. Ridiculous. So, well, they actually broke the two million subscriber threshold with this pay per view. Wow. So it worked. Uh, like... Yeah, it worked. Yeah. We'll see how many of those stick around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a get everyone on the show match with. Aiden English and Kurt Hawkins taking really big bumps when they were eliminated, trying to get noticed. Aiden English took that big of a bump that his hair fell out. (laughs) (laughs) It looked like the front cover of Natural Born Killers. He just needed the circled glasses. Brilliant. Oh, we got a Golden Truth reunion. (laughs) It didn't end well. No, no. (laughs) Truth got turned on. Mojo Rawley cut off the broski boot to eliminate Zack Ryder. So there's some continuity in this going on here. It's not just everyone's there here for payday and stuff. Oh, did you know John Cena's in the crowd? 
I really liked this. I thought it was hilarious. No, I didn't. We disagreed with this. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was brilliant because, and I do like John Cena. So I was like, anything that you can get John Cena in is fine by me. But to have him just sat there was great. I thought it was funny. It cut to him and he'd have a beer in his hand, like, yay! And he's like deliberately sipping it at just enough of an angle so that no beer actually goes into his mouth. He always seems to have to make a reaction when he was on t- when he was on camera. Yeah. He'd switch it, he'd always look surprised, like the shock of it. Yeah. Mm. Whoa. So he starts cheering on Baron Corbin when he starts running through people. Then everyone breaks up the face off Kane and Barry had. And I don't know if you heard this, Matt got one of them in the corner, and I swear this is what he said. He's like, Get him out! He's a big bastard! <laughs> it must have been something else, but that's oh exactly what it sounded like. Ty Dillon just doing the 10, and Matt Hardy's doing the delete. That was hilarious. That was very popular. He turned around and was like, Who are you? <laughs> 10! <laughs> Kane blocked a zigzag from Dolph Ziggler to eliminate him, but then Baron Corbin snuck up from behind to eliminate him. And so we got down to the past two winners, which are Mojo and Barry, and Matt Hardy. And then out of nowhere, a wild Bray Wyatt appears. They work together to eliminate Mojo and Barry, and Matt wins because Bray's not officially in the match after 15 minutes and 45 seconds. They cut to the pre-show desk too early. Matt was going out to pose with a trophy yeah, and then went to the pre-show back. desk and they're like, no, oh, get back out, get back out there. <laughs> what do you guys make to this? Served a purpose, didn't it? Yeah. It whetted the appetite for, for what was to come, but it, you struggle to get excited about it purely because there doesn't ever seem to be any boost in winning it. Like, what happened last year with Mojo Rowley didn't really do anything. No. You just sort of forgot about it. because Mojo shit. <laughs> There is that, but it also then makes the whole thing pointless. Like, was it just a, an excuse to get Gronk involved at some point yeah. last year, oh, yeah. and then that never happened? So it just sort of became a bit of a wasted venture, really. Mm. I wonder if they're kind of hamstringing themselves having this big, massive trophy that they're obviously not going to have a fe- as a featured part of the person coming out to the ring every single time and stuff. Mm. Unless the way that Matt seemed to speak to the statues as though it's going to be with him you know when he does his his vignettes and stuff like that (laughs) wonder of the world number eight (laughs) maybe he can bring it out to the ring on his chair of wheels (laughs) while he's riding his mower of lawn brilliant yeah bit of fun harmless next match on the pre-show was the cruiserweight championship match with Mustafa Ali taking on Cedric Alexander for the vacated title and they both had some pretty swish gear for this match. I loved Mustafa Ali's. Yeah, it's kind of like Jimmy Hagvick-esque, Sub-Zero. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and Cedric was good as well. He just went for like simplicity, like the Black Panther skin. 205 GM Drake Mavericks at ringside as well. Spud. Rude. <sighs> Very shiny. <laughs> Only in fucking wrestling can people get upset about a guy not being called Rockstar Spud anymore. <laughs> This match kicks off with a really nice technical and athletic start. Cedric does a toe pick on Hilo and a huge back body drop. Ali plays face in peril for a great deal of this match, but comes back using his manoeuvrability and his somersault X-factor for a two count. Cedric replies with a Spanish fly, blocks a tornado DDT, but ends up taking one from the top rope anyway. Cedric then dumps Ali onto the outside and we get the picture-in-picture commercial like they do on SmackDown. 
Much better, I think. It was more courtesy than the two Battle Royal matches got anyway. Yeah. Cedric goes for the lumbar check, but it's counter to the reverse Frankensteiner and a tornado DDT, and the 0-5-4. But Cedric got his foot on the ropes and the cover. That was nice, that. I thought that was the win. Ali goes for the 0-5-4 again, but it's dodged. Then Cedric just starts slaughtering his friend reluctantly with elbows and hits a lumbar check to get the win and become the champion in 12 minutes and 20 seconds. Thoughts on this match? It was a decent match. I was a little underwhelmed, but maybe that's my own fault for getting my hopes up too high. I was surprised that, that Cedric's got the win. I was expecting it to be Mustafa Ali, but... Yeah, I mean, it was a decent match. There were some, some nice spots in there. I seem to remember a Spanish fly off the top rope that always makes me cringe, but when it's done well, which it was in this match, it, it does look good. But it's, it's one of those moves that always make me wince a little bit when I see them. But when done well, they look really, really good. Yeah, it just doesn't make logical sense as an attack, really. No. Do you really have control over your opponent's body that way? Come on. It's it's like both needing to be perfect, and it, there's too much room for error, and neck stuff always makes me wince for some reason. Mm. Yeah, Kyle? I really enjoyed it, and I, f- I got quite a bit of flack on Twitter for, for liking this match, but I don't know whether it's because I like 205 that makes me like this match more than I should do. I don't know. It was a really good exhibition, you know, for people wanting to watch 205. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it too. I will say, I thought it was a slight step down from what we've been typically seeing on 205 Live. Yeah. But it's been tremendous, really. We've got Buddy Murphy in line for the next shot, possibly. Again, I like Buddy Murphy. I think that it's a nice change in 205. I just don't want them to go down the Neville route. That's kind of how the, the playing him off as being a bit untouchable. You just need maybe, I don't know, Cedric to show that he can fight back or, you know. We'll see. It's only, it's only been a week, hasn't it? I mean, I think he's, he's benefited greatly with being paired off with Callisto, I think, as well. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. Our final match on the kickoff show was the Women's WrestleMania Battle Royal. And we have both Paige and Beth Phoenix as guest commentators. Hopefully, Paige does a better role as a GM than she did on commentary, because it was difficult to listen to. Four-person booth is really, really difficult. Three is too many. Yeah, three is definitely too many. But Beth, though, every time she said something, something happened to that person. (laughs) Queen of contradiction, (laughs) won't you? Yeah. This was the first match I had to rewatch to get notes, and I thought it was really sad in hindsight. They were talking to Paige like. Oh, yeah, Paige, so we, we know you're injured and you're going to have to miss this match. It's a shame. And she was like, oh, yeah, well, maybe next year. What a shitty thing to say to her. Surely you just wouldn't touch that subject. You'd just be like, Paige is out because she's cheering on Absolution or whatever. But, oh well. Only people to get entrances in this match were the Horsewomen, Becky, Bailey and Sasha. And there's loads of NXT people in this match. Oh, Sonya's... Pride gear, rainbow gear, spot on. Yeah. Everyone ganged up on Carmella and then Dana, and then all of the NXT women team up and they're really effective together. Oh, wait a minute, is everyone rolling out of a ring randomly to confuse us all again? Yeah, we said that, didn't we? Yeah. We watched it. Roy Rumble all over again. <sighs> oh, 450 splash by Bianca Belair. Fucking great. In an over-the-top rope battle royal, the one thing that you need to do is keep your opponent on the map. So I'm so I suppose like high-impact moves like that are a good idea in something like that. 
Well, no, but see, I, I was okay with it in the context here because she got all her NXT mates holding off yeah. the person. So she's holding it down. They were all, like on the outlook and stuff. Mm. Oh, and then during the commercial break, Kyrie did her awesome elbow drop and then got eliminated. Fucking cheers. I do love that elbow drop. It is great. Oh, it's amazing. She, she, like, she just stays in air forever. It's, meant. it's like Velveteen Dream. Yeah, really, another really, really good elbow drop. Anyway, the Riot Squad start ganging up on the NXT people. Only one of them to suffer the hair whip from Bianca. <laughs> Jeez. That's brilliant. She's going to be a star. Do you think? Totally, yeah. Yeah, she's really gifted. She's one of those, you know, we talked about in the Hall of Fame, oh, Mark Henry would headhunt people and like go out recruiting athletes. She's a Mark Henry recruit. Oh shit! Yeah, I thought she had a really good spell in the May Young Classic. Really good match for Kyrie, especially. Is that hair going to be an issue though? I can see a, someone tying her up to the ring rope. Yeah, that's fine. That happens. Like Juice Robinson in New Japan, when he'd ever wrestle Toro Yanu, his hair would get tied up in the barricade to, to try and get a count out win and stuff. Is <laughs> great. Oh, and Dakota hits an awesome like, corner to corner running kick as yeah. well. Love that. Mickey and Liv have a pretty great exchange, actually, before Ruby eliminates them both. And then there's a great triple team that eliminated Peyton Royce. Oh, and foreshadowing here, when Peyton had a good spell, Paige is like, I like her. Anyway, Bailey and Sasha start working together and eliminate everyone, and it comes down to just the two of them. And Bailey eliminates Sasha... And she thinks she's won. But, oh, Naomi just appears. It turns out she wasn't eliminated. Bullshit. Yeah, this mm. really annoyed me. Anyway, Rearview <clears throat> and Bailey eliminated. Naomi wins in 9 minutes 50 seconds. Yeah, I really didn't appreciate them using that trope to make Bailey look like an idiot again. Mm. Well, is this similar? They've done it before in NXT with Asuka and Carmella. When there was a battle royal. Is that the same thing? Asuka thought she'd won. Carmella had been lying out of the, the ring for the entire thing, essentially. And then came in and eliminated her. Maybe it's just because I'm not a massive fan of Naomi. Maybe that's what it is. I don't feel the glow. I'm not glowing. I'm not, no. And I think, again, part of it is because I I, I like Bailey and I want her to be as over as she was in NXT. Well, hands down, the most over part of this match was Bailey, Sasha on their own staring off. Exactly. And it got a big pop when... Bailey threw Sasha out. Yeah, finally did not take any of Sasha's shit. Like, nah, I'm gonna pull my trigger before you can pull yours. Yeah. But I thought it was a great fun in general, and the NXT women especially had a really good showcase in this match. Yeah. Slightly better than the men's one. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it more than the men's. Because the thing with the men's, the only thing that came out of that was the end with Matt and Bray. Whereas in this, there were storylines throughout. You had Absolution and the Riot Squad and yeah, it was alright. It was a, a nice watch. We're then on to the main show, and there's loads of augmented reality graphics on this show. Hmm. Some worked, some didn't. Some looked a little bit like early 90s Pixar. They weren't great. But I think there's, there was an app or something on there. It was like you could watch it in VR. So I'm assuming that's what, that's what that for, was for. Yeah. I don't really think it added anything. No, I think it worked... When it was like match graphics and stuff on the pre-show, like they do on mm. Match of the Day and stuff, I don't think it worked as like an accoutrement to people's entrances and stuff, which we'll get into. Out to sing America the Beautiful are Chloe and Halle. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> the stage is immense. 
big carnival mask theme, just massive in general. What did you guys make of it? Like too, that was really good. It wasn't too ridiculous. It was still big enough for mania, but not big enough to be just you know throwing money at. It. See, I sort of like that though, because I thought last year's stage was amazing <laughs> with the roller coaster and then the whole yeah. ring on top of the ring. That I thought it was good. I liked how they used it within the other entrances. All I could think was that's Randy Savage glasses yeah. all the way through that. But then I also thought it was odd that they didn't make use of it for Asuka's entrance. I was expecting that to happen and it didn't. And yeah. Maybe it's my own fault for getting my own hopes up. <laughs> no, I really liked it as well. Although I do have this really weird dissonance where they use a different font for the WrestleMania logo from the actual WrestleMania logo. Like They've done this a few times now. Like they did it at 28 and they did it at 31. That's not the WrestleMania logo. Why are you written it like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's just me being overly picky. The opening video makes New Orleans look really, really cool. We get invited to let the good times roll again. Really simple, but thankfully not reductively simple, like the bloody fast lane intro. Yeah. Oh, and the fireworks are back. Finally. I miss the fireworks. Our opening match of the main show is a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship with The Miz defending against Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Seth Rollins has some freaky, like, white walker blue lenses. But they disappear, which I was really confused at. Probably just, like, boop, boop, pop them out before the match. I was disappointed throughout the match. I was like, where have they gone? <laughs> I was hoping that he would wrestle all the way through with them. Mm. But... Fucking Miz's entrance. With all the random little yeah. buzzwords on it, including hot wife, <laughs> celebrity, and main eventer. You're in the opening match. <laughs> then we get Finn with a bunch of people on the stage who are apparently from the LGBTQ community from New Orleans. Uh, Finn's new Pride t-shirt has a portion of the proceeds going to Glad. Yeah, that's cool. So they do a really good job early on keeping everyone involved in the early going. Get Hilo by Finn. Oh, my next note is, oh, John Cena is here. Double blockbuster by Rollins for a two count. Then Miz starts to gain a certain degree of control. Finn fires back and double stomps the Miz from the ground. Seth hits suicide dives onto both men. It's a massive super kick on Finn. And then Miz DDTs Seth for a near fall. Miz then dragon screws Finn over the top rope into the figure four, and then Seth comes in to interrupt with the froggy splash! Awesome spot. We then get a callback to SummerSlam 2016, and Rollins tries to kill Finn again with the powerbomb to the yeah. barricade. Finn escapes this time, and he shotgun drop kicks both of his opponents into the barricade. Miz cuts off a coup de grace, but that just leads to him getting buckle-bombed and Finn getting superplexed by Rollins. Then there's a school-crushing finale to Rollins. Second rope school-crushing finale. Finn breaks the fall with the coup de grace. And then Finn goes for his finishing routine on Miz, but gets curb-stomped into the Miz. And then the curb-stomp on the Miz gets Rollins the free count to become a Grand Slam champion. In 15 minutes and 30 seconds. In what was a really frenetic, pacey and action-filled opener. A gem of a match. Great start. Yeah, it was a brilliant start. The finish was great. Really enjoyed the curb stomp onto The Miz. And then again, 
on Finn. Really good. Really enjoyable match. I really like watching all those three guys anyway, so there wasn't anyone that I wasn't really keen on watching. Mm, it's good. Yeah, Dave? Yeah, same as Kyle, really. Like, I really enjoy, again, I enjoy watching all three of them. The Miz, like, again, he's one of them where he does his job perfectly. He is, his job is to make you hate him, and he does it perfectly every single time. We had the conversation during the match. We didn't expect Miz to win. We were expecting a title change in this match, and it was just which way it was going to go. And I'm hoping that we'll get some sort of payoff now to, to Finn and, and Seth, because I think there's a lot more you can still do with that feud. Apparently, Mizzy's taking time away to be with Little One, which, you know, that's totally fine. Yeah. But we've still got a ladder match at the Great Rumble. Samoa Joe, Finn, Seth and the Miz. So it's how that's going to work. Well, because then, after that, we've got Seth and Miz at Backlash. Yeah, exactly. That's the bad thing of announcing stuff so early. So does that mean that one of them two has to win? Or does that mean if Samoa Joe won, it's a triple threat? Strange. Talk about opening up hot. We've had that match, and then up next, it's fucking Charlotte versus Asuka. Mm. This is a criminally early point in the show to have this match. There are a few matches that we could have easily swapped. I think it just shows the the number of matches that they had. Like, we were losing count and four hours in. And we're still trying to figure out how many matches were left. And I think that was maybe one of the the issues was just how long it was. You have to have cooled down matches purely to sort of try and space things out and give you a bit of a break. As the rest of the show went on, it was the best place to have that match. Because I felt like it fed in a lot with the first couple of hours. It was a better place to have that all in one sort of one run at the beginning. I'd rather have been more alert for that than sort of drained towards the end as I was with. Sure, yeah. Just from like an aesthetic point of view, just this match being on earlier than the Raw Women's title match, just something jarred with me there. Like, Asuka's the Royal Rumble winner. And she's on second in the show. Mm. It's like when Del Rio was in the opening match as the Royal Rumble winner. Just, oh, well, you kind of bang on about what's the main event and stuff. It's mm. this whole thing again. Yeah, you know, you're winning not only to get a shot at the title at Mania, but also main event it, and you're clearly not doing. No, but still, fucking amp for this. Yeah. Great video package, and I loved Asuka in the video package talking to Charlotte. She's doing a little jig on the spot. It's like, I am an empress! <laughs> that gives me life. Yeah. So it's our second match. The SmackDown women's title is on the line. Charlotte Flair defending against Asuka. We have an incredible entrance for Charlotte here. The original 2001 Space Odyssey cut of the yeah. theme... And a callback to being a part of Rachel's entrance four years ago in this same Superdome. Fucking loved it. Well, as soon as it started, I said to Dave, I wonder who the NXT guys are that are under the guy's suits. But they, they looked really awkward, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's like they not rehearsed it properly. Like, you'll know when she stopped for the pyro. They sort of stop and shuffle about a bit because they're not sure whether they should stop yet. I don't know if they couldn't see out of helmets or what, but it was a bit. It got a bit awkward. But Charlotte always had good, has good entrances. She's totally got the the whole like showman thing from her dad. 
because you might not have got the best spot on the card, but she had one of the best entrances. Yeah. I'd much prefer to watch her than Rick, controversially. Just interesting to say. And I'm more invested in Charlotte now that Rick's no longer a manager and she's mm-hmm. also one. Not so good were the AR masks that came out for Asuka's entrance. No. They didn't even do the full intro for a song either. Bloody cheek. So we're underway with this match and it rules already. It's speedy, it's technical. Cena seems to love it as well. <laughs> Asuka does a little downward axe kick to the back of Charlotte's head. Yeah. And then hip attack Charlotte off the apron, which buggers up her arm. So Asuka's going right in for the kill here. On that note, did yeah. you work out what those boxes were? They were on top of... The oh, by the barricades. Post, and then by the barricades. Just because yeah. when you were saying about Asuka hurting Charlotte's knee, when she was scraping herself, she literally scraped the box off the barricade. Yeah, I think that was the VR thing. Right, okay. I think the two on the post definitely were. Yeah. But I don't know if you've noticed that some of the events, they usually just have like a tripod or a quad pod with yeah. like a, a slow motion capture camera. Right. And like a couple of days after the show, they put these videos up on YouTube. like, oh, see this in 4K slow motion type thing. Yeah. So I think that's what those cameras are for. Ah, right, okay. The netbreaker from Charlotte nearly gets countered into the Oscar lock, but Charlotte escapes with a backpack jawbreaker. And then hits some vicious knees to the back of Asuka's head. She goes up for the moonsault, but it's turned right into a triangle choke. And Charlotte escapes with a Boston Crab. Drink it in, man! (laughs) Asuka goes right back to attacking the arm with some really innovative stuff around the bottom rope, like tugging it out and stuff. And then just flat-out savagery. Just like the bloody Charlie Murphy couch thing, like, Fuck your shoulder, Charlotte! Fuck your shoulder! Oh, suplex off the apron by Asuka. Someone was watching NXT last night. (laughs) And Charlotte replies with a top rope Spanish fly for a two count. They are horrible to see. Yeah. Like, I don't like the Spanish fly, like I say, but, like, it caught me off guard, like, fucking hell, you know. Charlotte must be really desperate to try and beat Asuka if she's going for something she's never done before. Yeah. kind of thing. The natural selection gets rolled through into agonising grounded octopus with like Asuka wrenching her hamstring around Charlotte's neck and stuff. It looked really vicious. Charlotte escapes, nearly ends up in the Asuka lock again, but turns it into a roll-up a la Bret Hart for a two count. She then slaughters Asuka with a spear. Fucking try and top that, Roman. And then Charlotte locks in the figure eight, does the bridge... One-handed, because her arm's still knackered. And what the hell? Asuka taps out. Did not expect that at all. No, out of nowhere. Both shocked, to say the least. A shocker indeed, as the undefeated streak comes to an end after 13 minutes and 5 seconds. There's something to be said for surprises. So you go into a match, and there's another one later on, where you're adamant you know the finish, and you know what's going to be the result. And then when it happens, you sort of have to take a minute to try and sort of digest it and, and get 
your head around what's happened because you're expecting something different. And I'm still not a fan of them ending the streak just yet. We thought it might have been Ronda Rousey who was going to break the streak and it'd be maybe next year's WrestleMania would be when, when it, it goes. But maybe it's because I've not been watching as much Raw in the lead up to it and, and SmackDown and stuff. But I feel like there wasn't as big of a deal made of it as potentially could have been. Like if you look, even just like previous takeovers with um, Alistair Black's got an undefeated streak and they, they, they seem to make more of that in one evening or one pay-per-view than they would have, they did do in, in this. Where Ask goes for me will be interesting to see. I was expecting there to be a title run after this. You worry that she's just going to end up fading into the Bailey sort of area of the card when she's not got this thing that sort of separates her from everyone else, she's now along with everyone else. But the match itself I really enjoyed. Good pacing after the first match that we had that was so good as well. It was two good matches right next to each other. Totally, yeah. I love this match. This was, at points this was just totally phenomenal. Especially when it was boiling down to like the technical exchanges and the submission escapes. It's like you wasn't a fan of the finish. I also speculated that they should maybe have saved Ask Up for Ronda next year. You hear that on my upcoming appearance on the Roy's Nitro podcast. Cheap plug. Hi, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, like, in the context of a match, Charlotte hadn't really done anything to Asuka's leg. Charlotte's arm was knackered from being worked over the whole match, so it wasn't even, like, a full 100% figure eight. Yeah. And... Asuka just taps. I wasn't a fan of that context of it. I think Charlotte is like one of the few people worthy of breaking that streak. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the build-up was the problem. Yeah, and just the execution of that finish as well. I'm sure it was a whoa, shock that it happened, but you need to do a little bit more. Especially like they're talking about Asuka, oh, she's a submission specialist. Yeah, and she taps. And she taps out to a submission. Mm. It was sort of similar to how they broke Charlotte's pay-per-view streak. That was just sort of happened on a nothing sort of B-show pay-per-view. And it was sort of this big thing going up to it and then it just happened. Mm. Uh, and it was similar with, with this. And it, as good as the rest of the match was, the ending was poor, I felt. Yeah. Again, it sort of came out of nowhere in that there was no build-up to it. There hadn't been that many submission holds on Asuka up until that point like I said she's not really working the leg all that much for her so for her to just suddenly tap out was more of a push for Charlotte I think than Asuka mm. which again is strange because they've been building Charlotte up for the last two years as this sort of the head of the whole women's revolution has been sort of spearheaded by her so for it to all just end as it has was a bit deflating maybe considering the result though would you rather have Asuka been defeated clean or if there was say an interference that made Charlotte win I'd be happy with a clean victory still it's just the, the manner of what they did here Yeah. if you'd have had like a total like stone cold Bret Hart situation the knee's been worked over so much she's so knackered from it and you know Yeah. but they wanted her in a decent enough state to put Charlotte over in the post match as well so I guess they'd that kind of thing wouldn't vibe with them. Yeah. But uh, what do you think as well, Kyle? You've both pretty much summed up exactly what I think. I thought it was a really solid match. Really enjoyed it just to finish. 
A, I didn't expect it at all. So that Asuka was a sure winner. And B, the way it was put across. Mm. I mean, the one thing that I did quite like is that the submission, it kind of showed that Charlotte put 200% into the submission. One arm, even a head was starting to bend round. You know, she if Asuka would have got out of that, Asuka would have won because Charlotte had used all her energy. It was mm. that sort of... That was the only thing that I liked, but it still still wasn't the right way, I think. I agree with that. So in the post-match, Charlotte gets congratulated by Asuka, and then a ref sprints out to ringside and audibly says on camera, Undertaker's here, to John Cena. And Cena gets up and sprints up the rampway. <laughs> Which was ridiculous. It was actually... He is? He is? He is? <laughs> what really annoyed me about this is it sort of right in the middle of sort of quite a big moment really in that last match so if you've got Asuka showing respect to Charlotte for beating her the emotions that Charlotte was showing like you could tell that she was was sort of emotionally drained after that match she was crying in the ring at one point like it was something you've maybe not seen quite that side of her before she was again it was two faces off against one another as the, the one of the previous matches the, the, the cruiserweight match was yeah mm. If you were one of those people who didn't like John Cena, I could see you getting really annoyed about that, that they've made it about John Cena again. I just found it odd that they just sort of broke that celebration up and Charlotte's not even halfway up the ramp yet and John Cena's running past her and sort of taking the the focus off that. Yeah. Probably could have waited two minutes and let them go to the back and then tell John Cena. Yeah, and again, this plays into my issues with this placement on the show here. Asuka's streak just ended second match in and they're not even giving it a moment to breathe because Cena's got this thing. Mm. I guess their logic is, well, everyone's going to be watching this, so if it happened at like a regular interval in between matches, people might be on for drinks and stuff, but if they're captivated by Charlotte and Asuka just coming off this awesome match... They're still going to have everyone's attention, so we might as well say, yeah, take One thing I did notice, though, at the end of this match, Michael Cole, so WrestleMania 30, the streak ended, he's called in that was the streak is over. At the end of this match, he nearly did, nearly said the same thing again, and I feel like he caught himself halfway through it, because he went, the streak of Asuka is over, and I was <laughs> waiting for the, the same call from in the same venue. Four years down the line, but no, he obviously... Do you know, I've not made that connection until you said that now. It's another streak gone up in flames in New Orleans. Mm. There's something with the commentators. They were cutting each other up, weren't they? Half sentences, two words here, yeah, two words coach, there. Coach what the hell? Was, he had a mare. There was something just not right. Like, comments that didn't make sense to what was actually happening. It just confused you when you were watching the match. You're like... Why was that said? Like, it was a bit odd. We're about a third of the way through the show here, so why don't we rewind a night further back and look at NXT TakeOver? You guys all catch this show? Yes. And I watched it live, which was... Yeah, same. It's sort of good and sort of not so good, because especially when it runs over, during the, the NXT title match, I did drift off for maybe five minutes and woke up and suddenly thought oh shit luckily I didn't miss the finish but yeah it, it's tough being a a wrestling fan I was really struggling in, in the main event zone. yeah um, usually it's fine 
hey, you've actually sold on a Saturday, you have a proper line you know, on the Sunday now, but so stayed up for the Hall of Fame as well. well especially with it running, running over as well. Yeah. Which is, is one of the, I saw this online actually in the weekend, it was quite cool actually. So a normal takeover is about two and a half hours or so. And at the two and a half hour mark, that was when the, the NXT Championship match finished. Which is a normal end for a pay-per-view, but with the, the actual main event itself being an unsanctioned match. It was technically not part of the takeover pay per view. That's not their time frame that they've got. So like, I love that. We'll get onto it in a minute. But the whole unsanctioned element of it, I really enjoyed. Yeah. And it made it feel purposely different from from else. I'm sure I read somewhere that that ladder match in the opening was the longest ever ladder match in WWE history. The unsanctioned match, even though it's technically not a match, is the longest match in NXT history. Mm. I had to watch it twice because. To be fair, the first time I was pretty drunk. Yeah, I think, I, think I need to watch this I, again. I, I watched enjoy it twice it, too. Yeah. But I need to watch it again. I thought it was probably one of WWE's best ever shows, to be honest. Yeah, I think every match delivered completely. I mean, the problem that, take, that NXT has got is that they have such a high standard for their pay per views. It's a night and day difference. I think a lot has got to be said for it being so short in comparison. When I was watching it, it, just, it felt like something different. A lot of the matches in on the main roster are very much similar to each other because mm. there's a very similar sort of flow to the matches. Whereas with the NXT matches, you get something a little bit different, which is good. And I think quite a lot of that goes to the guy who. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got you've got to admit he, he's doing a good job. Corporate Triple H, I love. Yeah. It's just 2000 to 2003 yeah. Triple H that's ruined Triple H for <laughs> life for me. I enjoy NXT and I, I think that whether it's the Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, whatever, the NXT pay-per-view is always better. Certainly it was the best show of the weekend. Easily. Totally. Yeah. I thought we'd just do like our usual pay-per-view wrap-ups, match of the night, standout performer. Match of the night for me. Probably the ladder match. I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to say the ladder match. Purely because it had Ricochet in it. And I love Ricochet. Mm. Right. I think that was a really great justification for a secondary NXT Championship. The purpose it gave so many people in that match. And they all did so many different things in the ring. And it was just fantastic. Yeah. Ricochet, that flip where he just. As the ladder is being pushed over. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Incredible, and then also Velveteen Dream. He just gets better and better. Even in a match where he wasn't heavily featured, mm. his spots are the ones that afterwards are the ones that you think about. There was yeah. the was it a Canadian destroyer on the the ladder with him and Ricochet at one point? Oh, he snapped the ladder, snapped the ladder, yeah. and set the ladder up too, against yeah. the, the second turnbuckle, didn't they? Mm. And the elbow drops, like we said. Mm. The winner throughout the night, though, is obviously Adam Cole. Baby. Know, he, he, yeah. Baby! Adam Cole was great. For me personally, I thought the unsanctioned match was just stellar. My favourite match. Brutal. Fantastic way to like, encapsulate a whole story yeah. in a matchup. The best thing that ever happened was Champa getting injured. Yeah. Because you got that payoff. You got the sort of the initial shock of him turning on Johnny Gargano and splitting them up and then just to have sort of eight or nine months of 
anticipation really more than anything and to have it finish off in such a good way was just it was so good I thought the finish of the match was really good as well yeah, like how they did that yeah I think for me it's a whole microcosm for the difference between NXT and the main roster mm. if that was Vince McMahon booking that if it was a, like a Bailey type situation Gargano would have come out totally the fool mm. here it was a moment of redemption for Johnny it's like, okay, I can be the better man here, can you? No, you can't, right? Fuck you, then. I'm going to rip your knee out of you, like, yeah. this brace. But again, this is why I am excited for the future, because in the next 10 years, Vince McMahon probably won't be the highest up role. He'll probably take a step back, you would think, anyway. So, seeing the stuff that's happening now on NXT, you kind of feel like are we going to then see this sort of stuff on the main event which mm. if we are I'm 100% for this it's a big roster now NXT and it's going to be interesting to see how they manage to properly showcase everyone that they've got it's still a developmental brand you've still got to then try and bring up homegrown stars as well and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they, they work it in the next few months to solve that problem when they've only got an hour a week of TV we all agree that NXT is pretty much 100% better than the main event. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I should just give a shout out as well, just because we're not mentioning it, but my MVP would be Shayna Baszler, to be honest. Mm. There's this trend with the NXT women's division. They get put in a spot where you think, oh, well, they're in a bit of an uphill battle here, mm. keeping people invested, and they fucking go out and do it. It was a tremendous match. Shayna's shoulder injury, like she's banging it into the post, trying to relocate it. She's using her hair to hook her hold in properly. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was really, really great. She came off well in the post-match as well, in the interview that they did. And she was just saying like, she's coming and she's, she's here to fight and she's here to give people out there a good match and not just to be another wrestler, yeah. which I think is quite cool. And she's Ronda's mate as well. That Maybe. was going to be a hell of a match, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> so, heading back to WrestleMania, you're going to be able to tell which matches I didn't care about by how I run through the play-by-play <laughs> here. But match number three on the main card was the Fatal 4-Way United States Championship match. Randy Orton, the champion, defending against Bob Rude. Rusev, accompanied by a freshly shorn Aiden English. And Jinder Mahal with Sunil Singh. Yeah, there's a big trend on this show. The champion rarely comes out last. So we've had Charlotte already. She was out first. Miz was out second. This is the first time the champion was actually out last. Mm. And I'm not sure how many times that got repeated, but we'll see. So anyway, Rusev does a flip off the apron. Bobby Roode does a blockbuster. Everyone squares off. We get a top rope superplex by Orton. Rusev does an awesome, like, Jeff Cobb-esque swinging Saito suplex I loved that he gets back suplexed into the barricade by Randy Orton and Rude hits the spine buster on Mahal for a two count Rusev fires up but then gets stuck in a hanging DDT by Orton and then RKO's for everyone except for Rude who goes for a glorious DDT but then Jinder breaks up everything up Rusev hits a bunch of big kicks but then Jinder escapes the accolade and uses a distraction from Sunil to lock in the Kalas to get the free count and become the new champion in 8 minutes 15 seconds. I couldn't give a shit. 
Totally. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think if it's not the antithesis of it's great that the, the NXT have got another belt, I think this is a situation where there are too many belts. Because I don't even Randy Orton doesn't really give a shit about this, and he's in the match. Or maybe that's just Randy Orton. Being Randy yeah, I was going to say we said this before. I think that is just Randy Orton. He's just so, so cool, cat. That that's just how he plays off. I don't like Jinder. I've said it before, and just putting this belt on him just makes his head grow bigger. This was the level they should have started him at and kept him at. Yeah, I if agree. they were going with his experiment. Well, yes. If if you'd have said to us twelve months ago. By next WrestleMania, Jinder will have been the WWE champion, held the title for a, a decent amount of time, and then lost it again, and he was in a United States Championship match. Ne- I would never believe it. Even better, if you'd have told Heath Slater that the three-man band, Drew McIntyre, would be a top guy in TNA, then go to NXT and work his way up, Jinder Mahal would have the WWE Championship run and now have the United States Championship and he's Slater still be a fucking jobber. Unbelievable. Anyway, we, like, we talk about how all there's these cool-down matches and this was totally one of them. I mean, ironically, that was Sub-Zero rather than <laughs> the Cruiserweight match. <laughs> oh, I loved the Snickers Fashion Police commercial. With <laughs> I'm on board with completely. <laughs> that was great because I, I haven't seen any of the, the Fashion Police vignettes that they've done. So even when it was an advert, it was great. It won't be quite as good as when they did the KFC advert where Dolph came out dressed as. Was it with The Miz? I think it might have been, and they had, they had a match, and at that point, and I was that tired, I thought I was hallucinating. And it was only the next day that I realised that I hadn't dreamt that. Oh dear. Once again, you know, going back to everything feels really early on in this show. Fucking up next, the mixed tag team match, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon taking on Kurt Angle and Rowdy Ronda Rousey. So excited for this match. Yeah, this is gonna be really interesting. Not because of Ronda. Honestly, <laughs> no, no, I was that it was because of Ronda for me. Really different vibe to the video package in this one, the kind of like catty comments. If you were to watch that video package again, I don't think it reflects the match. The match was far better than the video package gives it credit for. The build-up stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear, look what's back. It's all the trikeys. To be fair, I'm disappointed. They could have at least been original and done something better. I mean, it was a little different to the last one because Steph had her own... And she did the Triple H water spit. I was in stitches. Yeah. I loved it. You lots are talking about commentary being a bit off. Yeah. Someone needs to put another quarter in Coley and here. It's, <laughs> it's like, you know, Corey, this is Triple H's 22nd WrestleMania. Second most. All time. <laughs> Honestly. There was something wrong with commentary at Mania. Something wrong. Something that just sounds right, though, is metal being played at WrestleMania. Yeah. Fucking Mark every single time. Uh, what do you guys think to Ronda's gear? Liked it. 
Yeah. Well, right. at first, my comment was, "There's no way that she's she's wrestling in that." Oh, in the no. kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she looked good. Some people were like, "Why are you cosplaying as as Roddy Piper?" Oh, that's the whole thing, though, isn't it? The yeah. whole thing, like he was what got her into wrestling. It's his jacket that she's wearing. Like yeah. I love that. She'll get her own gimmick eventually, but. Yeah, to be honest, I think it's quite cool that she's had this moniker that the family and Roddy himself gave her a blessing to use like outside of the WWE world, and now she's fully in the WWE world. She can carry on doing it. and I think that speaks quite highly of what the Piper family think of her, mm. at the very least. Yeah. The early goings of this match... Stephanie's just the highlight of this. All the cheap shots, all the sneaking around, pulling Ronda's hair, getting her angry before the match even starts. Cheap shotting Kurt Angle, pulling Ronda off the ropes to stop the tag. Oh, Triple H talking too much here, going over to Kurt. I'll reverse it. Spinebuster. Spine, I had the Spinebuster when I said yeah. to you, didn't I? He was basically shouting it. And I think, to be fair, when you're working with Kurt Angle, you probably need to. <laughs> Oh, God, when he was stood up, I actually thought that he was going to fall, like his knees are going to fall over. Ah, he's, he's, the wear on that guy's body will be insane. Triple H eventually gets flipped over the top rope, and Ronda finally tags in, and she is a ball of energy. She's almost too enthusiastic, like she whines too much on arm ringer and has to, like, re-find her footing. Yeah. But holy shit. Very impressed. Yeah? The crowd are just enthralled with this match already. Steph is actually able to block the armbar. Nice story. It was. I still feel like it should have been blocked by a more experienced wrestler. It still just reeks of Steph just being out for herself sort of thing and it needs to be her who sort of breaks. She's a UFC fighter. Former world champion. I'm not having it that Stephanie McMahon with all the midnight workouts that she does, is going to be able to... And it, but yeah, it fed into the story. It, it was still my favourite match. Would, would, would Triple H have blocked it? We'll get to that. There's a DDT by Stephanie for a two count, but Ronda replies with her twisting someone drop. Every move that she did was on point. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was just a tiny, tiny little bit different from like what a typical wrestler would do. Yeah. It stood out really well. Triple H pulls the referee out of the ring to prevent the free count, and then pulls Ronda out of the ring. This cues a brawl with Kurt, but the German onto the German table is blocked. Kurt takes a tumble through the Spanish table. Then Ronda and Triple H square off to a massive fucking pop. Yeah. This is awesome. She totally peppers Triple H with strikes and actually deadlifts him up with a Samoan drop, but Stephanie saves... Her husband. No, well, before that, the best bit about that is that the ref doesn't want him to do it. And he kind of pulls the ref away into the corner. He's like, no, no, you're all right, pal. He pulls around. all right. (laughs) We've got this. I'm your COO. (laughs) You'll do your told. We then get the OG Suplex City in session as Kurt just throws Triple H around like nobody's business. They both trade finisher counters. Eventually sees Kurt hitting the angle slam for a really close near fall. Stephanie breaks up the ankle lock attempt and gets ankle locked herself. But then the pedigree hits from Triple H and Ronda Rousey saves the fall. She then hurricanranas out of a pedigree attempt herself 
And what's in the armbar on Triple H? See, Triple H this... put up less of a fight for the armbar than Stephanie did. That's because Triple H is doing a good job of putting Ronda over. <laughs> He's doing his job! <laughs> Stephanie has to haul her off with a rear naked choke. But Ronda starts to go for the armbar again as Kurt hooks Triple H up in the ankle lock. So they roll through the ankle lock and Kurt and Ronda knock their heads. Kurt spears Ronda. Yeah. Then get simultaneous pedigree attempts, but Kurt sends Triple H over the top rope. And Ronda, this time, after making Stephanie beg for her life, locks in the armbar for the instantaneous tap out. So, Ronda and Kurt win after 20 minutes and 40 seconds. I'm surprised how long this went on. Uh, match of the night for me. It didn't feel like it went on for that long. No. That's how mm. good it was. Initially, it was more surprised of just how good Ronda Rousey was. I think she's, I read that she's been like rehearsing this match for months, so she was like spot on as it should be. But there's still something that you see different with athletes that you can tell that she's an athletic person and just everything, like a movement. Even her facial expressions were like, was spot on for the entire match. It was the one match that actually got us, like, yeah. sure, me anyway, I was like fully into it. Like, I was shouting anytime there was a near near fall or there was a sort of an armbar was put in, I was shouting every time it got some sort of me trying to make you think that me with Triple H and, and Stephanie would win it. Even though, looking back, there was no way they were winning that match. I was completely wrapped up in it at any point thinking that it would just finish it was great mm. I had zero expectations coming into this and I was really really pleased with this match I enjoyed it tremendously it's really good we're going to give Steph a lot of stick for having so many armbar counters but it's kind of a good way to put it over like that kind of submission hold as opposed mm. to like a, a wrestling submission hold it gets locked in and you're fucking done. You have to get out straight away. So you want to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. As opposed to something like, I don't know, like how they choose a sleeper where you're in it for ages and, you know... You then wake back up and you get out of it. Yeah. If Ronda gets a hold on you, you are done. There's no hope for you. Yeah. Kyle? Do I need to review this? It's a Triple H match. Oh, my God. It's five stars. It's a Kyle five, five star. Stars. <laughs> yeah. King of Marks. <laughs> I thought it was called Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. I've got to agree with Dave. Best match of the night. The Monday morning after Mania, I went into college and I told all of my learners, I said, do not ruin anything for me. Do not, do not, do not. But without ruining anything, you can tell me what you thought your favourite match of the night was. All three learners said this match. Right. When I told Dave, he's uh, been like, all right, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. And then when we watched Part it, Part of that just... could have just been me not wanting to give yeah. Triple H any credit, <laughs> to be fair. Fantastic. I think this was the best use of Triple H since the last time we were in New Orleans. At WrestleMania. Okay. Do you mean not, not, not when he beat Sting? Totally not. not. No, 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 no. no, no. Or, um, or when he had that shite match with Roman. Yeah. No, no, no. You just don't appreciate him like Kyle does. That's the problem. <laughs> I thought they were all fantastic matches. <laughs> of course you do. Every fucking year, right? <laughs> we come to Triple H's WrestleMania match, like, 
Yeah, it didn't come up quite like I wanted it to. And then the fucking end of the year review comes up. Oh, what well, yo, you got to talk about Triple H versus Roman Reigns. Yeah, match of the year, like, you know. Love hearts and dollar signs. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, dear, here comes another cool-down match. Our fifth of the main card, the Triple Threat Smackdown Tag Team title match. The Usos defending against the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. New Day's pancake dudes. I got big vibes of Chester McCheesington from this. Just yeah. did not work for me. They are entertaining, the three of them. But there's a limit sometimes with some of these these things that they've started doing. And it's, I don't know whether it's beginning to wear thin, but it's just, I think, the initial sort of entertainment factor is starting to dwindle, I think, with those three. I mean, it's really good to see that they're taking this massive threat of the Bludgeon Brothers so seriously here. Yeah. They've been twatted by them for two months on end now, and they're like, hey, we got pancake people! <laughs> yeah, I don't mean. They actually nearly won the match right from the off with a Trouble in Paradise by Kofi, but the brothers just break it up and start decimating everybody. The Usos kind of come back with super kicks and super five splash, but he only gets a near fall. Usos do a double toe payout to Rowan, but he blocks both of them, only to get a double suplex on the floor. The midnight hour gets countered, and Kofi gets hit with a massive boss man slam. Then everyone gangs up on Harper, but it just leads to Rowan interrupting the Tower of Doom attempt, which leads to the power bomb on Kofi, and then the super killer bomb. To get the free count after 5 minutes and 50 seconds. So the Bludgeon Brothers are the new champions. I like how Harper and Rowan are now built up as these monsters again. Because I do think that they lost a lot of that when the Wyatts kind of did their mini split Mm -hmm. and all that. And I thought they lost quite a bit of star power. But now having them as these Bludgeon Brothers and having them kind of beat the crap out of everyone again, it kind of brings them back up to where they should be. Totally, yeah. Right result here, and if you're going to have a match this quick, it's the right way to go about it, really. Yeah. Like, the, the Bludgeon Brothers just didn't give anyone else a look in for the most part. Mm. Yeah. Dave? I'm not sold on the Bludgeon Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the crowd weren't either. Like, I feel like the reactions that they might be wanting to be getting from on these two, they're not at the minute. And I think they're obviously still... a relatively new team if you look at the three teams in that match anyway they're a relatively new team and I think maybe we've just got to see where they go from here that match was built around putting the Bludgeon Brothers over and getting that belt the belts onto them it's what they do when they've got the belts that it needs to be really the main thing I think Smackdown sometimes struggles from a lack of decent tag teams mm. I think you could potentially say the same thing for both rosters that the tag team division is lacking and I think when you've got teams in there that can do such good work when you've got enough tag teams to sort of make a proper division out of it you'll start to see my more dangerous bludgeon brothers and sort of them offer more than just being two big lads who were in the Wyatt family and still have very similar sort of wardrobe and, yeah. and a gimmick mm. to it and sort of break out from that and become their own thing yeah Anyway, out comes John Cena and he's in his ring gear. And Jojo tells us the following contest is set for one fall. But then another referee comes to the ring and seems to suggest that the match is a no-go. But then the lights go out. 
Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. This Elias is the ultimate spoiler here. And playing House of the Rising Sun to the ring. Yeah. It killed me. I was laughing my head off when this happened because it was just like so ridiculous but so perfect as well. He's so good at getting heat on him. It is amazing. Yeah, expecting someone else. He tells Cena to take his seat and be a spectator again but Cena eventually has enough of his taunts and sends him out of there with the five moves of doom. Oh, the other thing I love about Elias' segments there's always a Bruce Springsteen reference from Cole. Cole said here, Elias was hoping for a Johnny bye-bye tonight. For a really deep cut here. That's perfection. Oh, and after Elias got twatted, some kid in the crowd was like, that's what you get! <laughs> Brilliant. Seeing his music plays and he looks dejected, he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm on, on my way then. But then the lights go out again. Undertaker's ring gear appears in the middle of a ring. And a bolt of lightning strikes it and it disappears. That was the shitty CGI I've ever seen. It was pure early 90s Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of loved it. I'm sure there was other ways that they could have put across that it was going to disappear. But yeah, we'll run with it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the big news is The Undertaker is here. Mm. Holy shit, this match is on. Number six of the night. John Cena's taking on The Undertaker. Commentary a bit too candid about the state that The Undertaker was in last year. We're not going to get The Undertaker of last year, are we? Fucking dickhead with his broken hip, you know. (laughs) I felt that that was, like, really weird when they were saying, like, which Undertaker are we going to get? Does Cena get a pick of, is 90s Taker going to turn up? What the the hell? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm. the purple hands. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. So anyway, this match is basically a total squash. Undertaker just runs through his trademark offence and there was a big boot that was nowhere near hitting Cena's head. No, I think we were closer to that boot than Cena was. <laughs> Cena has one ray of hope when he hits the proto-bomb on the Undertaker, but Taker sits up from the five-knuckle shuffle. <laughs> oh, no. This is so funny. Oh, God. <laughs> If the internet doesn't put the Sonic the Hedgehog putting the brakes on sound effect on a lap, they've failed us. It's brilliant. Just perfect timing. <laughs> Choke slam, tombstone, see you by Taker wins in 2 minutes 45 seconds. And I believe that's Cena's quickest loss. Sorry. Outside of money in the bank. So yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was bizarre this because we said before what sort of state is he going to be in? And how many bumps is he going to be taking? And the answer was one. But he looked good. Like, when he was running the ropes, we got a old school for the first time in however long, and, and he looked good. He looked like he was in decent shape. It'll be interesting to see how the casket match goes at the Greatest Royal Rumble. If he takes any more than the one bump, mm. it depends how much of a limited schedule he's going to be on. It, it seems odd to have built this up for so long and have it end in such a short amount of time unless we're going to get twice in a lifetime this time next year. That's what it feels like to me, mm. I think, yeah. They just didn't want to put Taker through anything too strenuous, which is why they didn't advertise the match for definite. Yeah, there's more money in this next year when we could possibly get 
Undertaker firing on all cylinders and it can be like the proper dream match that we hope it can be. So do you think then after the great rumble we won't then see Taker? I think he might go on holiday for a little bit, yeah. to be honest, yeah. We're not really going to see much of Cena either, are we? A new single Cena. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, next we get the Hall of Fame highlights package and the inductees get paraded. We had Mark Henry, Hillbilly Jim, Ivory, Jeff Jarrett, the Warrior Award winner, Jarius Robertson, who got a really big pop. He was hilarious. He was so funny. Yeah, he's a great <laughs> kid. Uh, the Dudley Boys, the celebrity inductee Kid Rock, who wasn't in the parade of inductees because he was on a boat or something, I don't know. And headline inductee Goldberg. For fans, second time around, they butcher doing the Goldberg chant in times of music. Yeah. That whole bit was awkward. Goldberg looked like he didn't want to be there. It was bizarre. Yeah, he looked really pissed off. Yeah, he really pissed off, yeah. I mean, that's an expensive suit as well to burn up. <laughs> Maybe he's pissed off with that. He said, no pyro, and he got out there and he went, fuck pyro, pyro. <laughs> I don't know, I just thought he was trying to be Goldberg as opposed yeah. to Bill. Yeah. To be honest. Oh, shit, up next. It's the bosses of SmackDown against the Yep movement. And we get the video package... Actually ties things together relatively well. Mm. Famous quote from Daniel Bryan already: "If you fight for your dreams, your dreams will fight for you." And we're seeing Daniel Bryan back at WrestleMania. Holy shit! I never expected this. I I never expected it. We'll all agree with the reasonings of this is because he would easily wrestle on the Indies, <laughs> so they had to do something. He's always been adamant that he wants to wrestle. So it's nice to see him back, but I think that Daniel Bryan's kind of forced WWE's hand on this more than WWE wanting him back. I think that's kind of more the case. But yeah, it's nice to see him back. It's nice to see someone who looks genuinely happy to be there. Like I, I like it when you can see they're not acting, they're not doing anything else. You can see how genuinely excited he was to be there, mm. and it, and it's nice to see. It's sort of refreshing in a way to see that of someone that is so completely sort of obsessed with wrestling in a similar way that a lot of fans are and he's getting to do something that he never thought he was getting to do again mm-hmm. and it was it was a nice moment that yeah so that's up next seventh match of the main card Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan teaming up to take on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens who are in storyline fired and if they win this match they get to return to Smackdown the bad guys attack from behind. You see Shane's son in the front row squaring off to Sami Zayn. Yeah. <laughs> you got nothing! <laughs> they powerbomb Brian into the apron after the halluva kick. Shane's got to work this match on his own and he lasts a bit too long, really, mm. in terms of like being able to fend people off for my liking. Especially as someone who supposedly just had a hurt at like, an operation recently. That is not a man who's had an operation at any time in the last three months. I'm not having it. Whatever storyline reason they've got for having that, yeah. there's no <laughs> way. Even when he was selling his stomach, like, he's not a And that's the thing, that's the only point when the bad guys got control. They kicked him in the tummy. Yeah. Pretty cool spot where Sammy gets tied up into the Tree of Woe after missing a halluva kick and Shane goes coast to coast. Kevin comes back with a frog splash but Daniel Bryan broke up the fall and after a cannonball misses we eventually get the hot tag to Bryan and 
he looks like he never lost a day in the ring. He did look good. I've got to say, I'm not a massive fan of Daniel Bryan, but he looked well. Yeah, so surprisingly proficient here. Running through all his trademark offence, even kicking out of both of the Haluva kick and the pop-up powerbomb. If this was Roman Reigns in this situation, I think the internet might be a little bit pissed, but that's that's just my two cents. Oh yeah, I think there's an element of, of goodwill in this match that you could probably get away with stuff that you necessarily wouldn't get away with at, at other spots on the card or other wrestlers. But I think you're right. Mm. He starts no-selling Sammy Strikes, hits the yes kicks, the knee to the face, and locks in the yes lock to tap Sammy Zayn out in 15 minutes and 25 seconds so Sammy and Kevin still fired mm. I was expecting some kind of turn in this match like some kind of new faction to come out of it but obviously they didn't want to ruin the sentiment of Brian returning to wrestling again mm. Yeah, I think we said didn't we while we were watching the match at no point did they say they are fired from the WWE it was they fired from Smackdown so we, we said they you know, they'll end up on on Raw in some way obviously it didn't work out quite that way when they went they turned up at Raw the next night but well Kurt had a pop at TNA maybe TNA have got some spots yeah. available <laughs> that was fantastic and he just signed Lashley from TNA as yeah. well like, yeah I should know yeah this match is just a just a bit of a feel good factor for Brian to be back mm. wasn't much of substance beforehand really yeah didn't really feel like a Wrestlemania match outside of that factor really no no, I think especially after the previous match of, of how, oh, having the still having the cool down coming from sort of how good the Triple H match was. Like, this for me was where I started. So, sorry, get, Kyle might want you to repeat that. I got, Dave, I the Ronda Rousey match. Was <laughs> um, and and what I think this for me was where I started to get a bit tired. This was like three and a half hours, four hours into a to a five plus hour show. Yeah. I think this is where the fatigue sort of started to set. This was the point where I sat at the end and I put my elbows on my... And I was like, go, keep your head up, keep your head up. Keep your head up. And this was at like <laughs> yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon. This it wasn't late. Yeah. It's just it's a lot of wrestling. There's a definite turn in like the energy here. Like these three segments as compared to the opening four matches. Like, we started out really hot out of the blocks and things are starting to sag. Mm. But come on, we, we, we can do this. We're two-thirds of the way through. <laughs> we should take a break with our sign watch. I didn't spot quite as many signs as usual, so I'm going to include cosplayers and people in costume in the crowd as well here. Okay. So you guys spot anything in the crowd as far as signs and costumes? And- there's the, the Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah, Purple crowd. Taker, yeah. I know, John Cena tweeted before that before it started saying that he found him. And it was a, a picture of John Cena and this guy. And I, didn't see, I don't remember seeing any. No, wasn't any, any signs that kind of stuck out that were funny. So some people were sticking up like random pictures of people. And I see the big faces. Yeah. yeah I, I, I swear one of them was Doc Cotton. Wait, what? Manchester is red. Well, we saw a guy with the United top. He was at, on every night. Yeah, he was at TakeOver. At least he was at TakeOver. And I was just thinking, that guy must stink if he's getting the same shirt as he was in the night before. <laughs> they are not air-conditioned places that they're in, these arenas. Nah. 
I was really distracted by a guy in the front row because I kept looking at him and thinking, is that James Ellsworth? I think he was in like one of the green Cena t-shirts and he had like the underbeer goatee that Ellsworth oh, yeah. has. He didn't show up on camera, but there was a really good Shockmaster cosplayer in the crowd that day. And he even had the, like, the wall attached to him and his body was breaking through it. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm like, oh man, it's a shame he didn't get on camera. I counted three people in front of the hard camera cosplaying as referees. Oh yeah, I know. I did. I saw them. What the hell? Yeah. They're like referee bros. Yeah. <laughs> Someone about three quarters of the way through had a sign saying, I'm bored, brother. <laughs> yeah. There was someone by the rampway that had a Boston sign and an arrow pointing down, as if they are the entirety of Boston. <laughs> we are here! Yeah. Maybe Boston in England, but I don't think yeah. Boston in Massachusetts <laughs> is that small. I don't even like Times New Roman in I the main event. I that now that you mention it. They, they are starting to come back to me. I remember that one. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. But my absolute favourite of all the signs... It was one of the segments where we were talking to Cena in the crowd and someone behind him had a sign that said, Throw a potato! <laughs> I didn't notice that either. <laughs> really random. Up next we have the Raw Women's Title Match with the storyline that was a bit naff, really. Yeah. It was very sort of 2010-11 era divas, wasn't it? Like high school kids sort of falling out of each other. It's so weird, like, Nia and Braun are really big studies in contrast for me. They've done a tremendous job of having people be able to relate to Braun, being like a crazy guy and stuff, and this thing that they tried with Nia is just a bit too lowest common denominator for me, and Mm. just let her be a monster, you know, that's cool enough. Yeah. It's it's an easy story to tell, but they're giving her a storyline that is very sort of pedestrian. And has been done to death. And so I don't fit with the, the whole gimmick that she's got. Although I had to love Alexa's faux apologies. Like, oh yeah, I'm really, really sorry. Sorry that I didn't do it earlier! <laughs> Which was just the same as that after Elimination Chamber, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was exactly the same sort of thing. Which is great when she, you do it once. Sort of less good when it's done a second time. You can tell Jeff Jarrett's back in the company. Everyone's nicking his promo <laughs> style. So, match number eight of the main card, the Raw Women's title is on the line. Alexa Bliss, accompanied by Mickey James, taking on Nia Jax. Alexa had random podium thing that's a bit yeah. lacklustre. That was odd, wasn't it? That's a WrestleMania entrance for the sake of having a WrestleMania entrance. Mm. She had that, yet Bobby Roode didn't get a grand entrance with that theme tune, that theme song should get the grandest of entrances. Yeah, and he got every single time cut off by out. English as well. He did. Mm. Naya takes out Mickey right from the off to make sure that it's one-on-one, and it's really cool when she was like tossing her into the barricade back yeah, and forth. Yeah, that was ruthless. That was brutal. That Love spot. that. Love Reminded me of like what how Cesaro used to be like in his early days as mm. well with the swings. <laughs> the double scream from both women got a big laugh as well. <laughs> like Naya no sold something he's like ah so I was like yeah! <laughs> the early going is all Naya Jax we get a 
big massive cane bump from Alexa landing on her feet from a gorilla press slam. Bliss keeps finding her way back into the match with a thumb to the eye and goes after Nia's knee just so that she could get to her head to control her through her head. The old kind of like old school wrestling mentality. Nia suplexes out of the guillotine but winds up hitting the ring post and Alexa hits a twisted bliss to the outside. They tell her that they don't like her doing that move as a as a heel, but it totally makes sense in this match. Yeah. Like, you know, she's got to be really desperate because she's got a much bigger opponent and stuff. Her DDT only gets a two count, though, and then she makes the mistake of talking shit to Naya, allowing her to recover, and then gets totally roughed house to take this match home. So she catches Alexa out of midair from the Hurricane Rana and does a Alabama slam thing into the corner. Air Raid crash into the corner. Another Alabama slam. And the second rope Simone drop. Alexa is done. Stick a fork in her. Nia wins after 10 minutes and 15 seconds to win her first women's championship. I know that we, we've had dead certs. <laughs> two of them already. And they've not gone right. But this, it was a dead cert. And it just showed like the, the power that Nia had. Alexa just couldn't deal with it. It was an alright match. It should have swapped with the other women's match. I'd have had the Raw match on second. It was certainly a match that was on at WrestleMania. Again, like Kyle said, you, you sort of felt like you knew what the result was going to be mm. in this match. It's interesting because when she was in NXT, this is the sort of match you would have expected her to have in NXT. And she never got that match and she got called up before she could win a title or anything like that. And yeah. I remember the, the, the Bailey match that she had was really interesting when, when that match came about because it was how is Bailey gonna deal with with this much bigger, much more powerful opponent. I felt like it could have maybe done with more of that in it seemed too straightforward to me. And again, it all goes down to what comes next and what the storyline is gonna be. It served its purpose. I was fine with this, I wasn't blown away. To be honest, I got the opposite from what you were saying, Dave. I'd have made it even more straightforward. Chop four minutes off, just have Naya go all murder, death, kill like she was at the end. Because like, they kind of tried to like halfway house it here, like having Alexa still not look too outmatched. And that didn't work in their favour. I, I liked it when Naya was in control. Just like most of this card, really, it's just like it's somewhere in the middle. Not really spectacular, not really terrible. Mm. Our next match is the WWE Championship match. AJ Styles, the champion defending against Shinsuke Nakamura. In the hype package, they used loads of really cool magazine covers of Shinsuke. And we got some photos from PWI and TNA as well. Mm. Interesting. They do it when it suits them, don't they? They're in a position where they don't need to have relationships really with these other promotions mm. I know there's a Hardy's DVD that they're doing where they're going to be using footage from TNA as well and they've sort of linked up a little bit with TNA to get that footage so like I said when when it suits them when it benefits them if you're saying that it's the dream match you have to allude to why it's a dream match and you have to bring these other elements into it because you can't just expect people to accept that it's going to be a dream match without yeah, any sure. sort of build up as to why it is thoughts on Shinsuke's entrance Amazing. That guitarist, incredible. Mm, yeah. It was pretty cool with so many drums as well. Yeah, it was. It was an entrance that 
sort of matched his persona. Like you needed a big entrance from AJ. Don't need one really because yeah. he, he is everything from him. You get it in the ring. He, he's he's spotless. And not that Nakamura is not, but because he's he's a lot more of a showman than AJ is. So you, you need you need that big entrance to sort of reflect that. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Shinsuke starts off really early with the knees and, and Styles replies with a knee of his own. AJ does his drop kick routine and then goes into a really long rest hold. A bit early for that. Shinsuke starts his comeback, but then kind of fluffing Enzigiri. Shinsuke looks really knackered already. What's going on? It wasn't even like the ramp was that long like last year. <laughs> I don't know whether it was the whole getting across that the these first six minutes were you know like we were matching each other's moves and it's more of a exuberation if you will uh he gets the corner perch knee strike but the reverse power slam is countered to a sit out face buster by styles and he it's an incredible spinning pump handle gut buster but the phenomenal forearm is cut off by shinsuke who hits the landslide and that only gets two count that was his old finishing move in new japan before he started the King of Strong style gimmick. Yeah. It was really nice to see. They kind of fight on the top of the ropes and it just doesn't lead to anything. AJ goes attacking the leg and counters another landslide with the calf crusher and does a great rollback to get Shinsuke back in the middle of the mm. ring. Shinsuke winds up turning it into a triangle choke and then, Jesus Christ, AJ powers up out of it with a really nervous looking Death Valley driver. Awkward. Yeah. A knee in the corner gets dodged and AJ gets the phenomenal forearm, but it only gets a two count. Nakamura then got the knees up from the springboard 450 splash. And then we get a big slugfest. Both men trade kicks. Shinsuke gets the Kinshasa to the back of the neck. But in a fantastic closing moment to the match, the Kinshasa gets rolled through by AJ straight into the Styles Clash. And the champion retains in 20 minutes, 20 seconds. Shocker. <laughs> it was odd. Because it was like both Royal Rumble winners lost. Lost, yeah. Making history. Oh, fuck off. Making <laughs> history, here we go. And, and it was... It was a decent match, don't get me wrong. It wasn't at the risk of sounding like a bit of a knob. It wasn't a five-star match. But it, it was certainly a good match. I think it suffered a bit from the placement in the car because it had been so long, I think. The early parts of the match where it was quite slow would have been more forgivable had it been earlier in the show, sort of the leading up to it. Which is an odd thing to say when you consider how long New Japan pay-per-views are. Easily six hours. Mm. But still those matches that are at the end, even if they've got a bit of a slow build-up, you're still invested in them. You're still sort of on board with them. Maybe it was just expectations that sort of made it less exciting than it could have been. With both of them, you know you're going to get smoothness. You know you're going to get interesting sort of reversals and things, which we did get, especially with the Kinshasa at the end. Excited to see where this one leads, though. At the end of the match, we get Shinsuke and AJ embrace, and Shinsuke kneels and offers to present the title to AJ, but then, arm to balls! Yeah. Evil Shinsuke is here. To be honest, if you're going to have Shinsuke lose, this is the direction that you need to go. Because yeah. he's already had title opportunities with other people and been unsuccessful. And I think evil Shinsuke, after SmackDown, is hilarious. He was great on SmackDown. That interview. Renee. That was amazing. Yeah, Kyle Potts on the match. 
a good match, like Dave said. You know what you're getting with Styles and Nakamura. Styles cannot do any wrong. He's just absolute perfection in the ring. I was quite surprised with the result. I did think Nakamura would take it. I don't know. There was something missing from the match that took it away from it being the dream match. But still very enjoyable. Yeah, um, kind of in line with you two here. Maybe a tiny bit more negative. It didn't live up to the billing, but you had fits and starts of great looking stuff. Just weigh yourself down with this whole, this will be a dream match mm. build up. It was like the New Day in Usos last month. Well, the, the Ronda match is a prime example of that. No expectations, best match of the night. They've got to build it up, they've got to do the job and whatever, but sometimes it does work to go into stuff with limited expectations. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I thought their Wrestle Kingdom match they had together was slightly more of a WWE match than this match because, mm-hmm. you know, you had the whole playful AJ with the finger gun and Shinsuke eating the bullet and stuff, yeah. you know. It, it lacked a little bit of a showmanship for WrestleMania, I thought. Yeah, I can see that. Our 10th match of the main card sees the Raw Tag Team titles on the line. The Bar are defending against Braun Strowman and a mystery partner. Fucking hell. So the Bar get a Mardi Gras entrance and then Braun scares them all off and trashes the float. Braun gets the microphone and decides that his partner's going to be a member of the WWE Universe. I was really disappointed when he said, My partner, it's not one person in the back. I thought he was going to go, it's these hands! <laughs> but no, of course, we have in the storyline, he can't compete on his own. So anyway, it's really funny when he's like wandering in the crowd looking for a partner to recruit. He walks right past Noe Jose and Trent Seven and Johnny Moss. <laughs> that picture of Trent Seven with his hands folded looking at the, the camera is brilliant. <laughs> I saw Robbie Brookside was there as well. They walked right past Robbie Brookside and he sort of jumped out of the way to get out of shot. <laughs> What a pro. Eventually he finds a lad called Nicholas. Who looked like he was shitting himself. Oh god. To so be fair, goodness. wouldn't you? Like ten year old and Braun Strowman. I'd shit myself if Braun Strowman walked up to me. Never mind if I was ten years old. <laughs> he was like that on the road. Like Ooh. I loved um when he dressed the car I was like Nicholas and Braun's like Get it off for Nicholas! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please don't do <laughs> So, Braun does a cool choke slam hauling Cesaro all the way up from the ground. And then the bar actually have a spell of control, and there's a top rope knee from Sheamus, and a helo off of Sheamus' shoulders by Cesaro. But then Braun wipes them both out with a flying cross body, and Sheamus nearly hit one of the VR cameras on the way out. Yeah, yeah. On the top rope. The kid tags in and tags back out immediately and Braun power slams Cesaro to get the win. New Raw Tag Team Champions after four minutes. I don't know what to make of this. My thought is, what does that do for Sheamus and Cesaro? Yeah, it puts over Braun, he beat the Tag Team Champions on his own, but is his superiority enough to sort of stop the bar from looking shit are they going to have to lower their own bar now because they just lost against like yeah. in essentially a handicap match <laughs> we don't set the bar we lower the bar <laughs> we lowered the bar because we, we got beat 
it was a pointless match more than anything else because there was no payoff really because the tag title belts have now been dropped. So what did we get out of that other than an entertaining WrestleMania moment? But it felt to me it was just it was the filler, and it was essentially the one match on the card that had no repercussions mm-hmm. and was there purely just to to give you a bit of it. I mean, I suppose it's a good thing if it's entertaining. So I think this is this was them realizing that they've got something more in Braun than just he is a monster. Mm. Yeah, and you could kind of see it in like the way they do like little social media vignettes with Braun, where he like dresses up as a fairy and stuff, and does like really different outward stuff, and like the way him and Alexa interact and stuff like that. But I don't know, just. My biggest thing about this is that they've now broke the record for the youngest champion and I'm pretty pissed about it. (laughs) He's now the youngest champion in WWE history. That will never be beaten. Yeah, that was in a tweet. Something's like, Tyler Bate, I'm the youngest WWE champion in history. And Nicholas like, hold my Ribena. Yeah, it's just until, like, until Birdie Bree or Birdie Brian or whatever yeah. she's called becomes mm. the champion in a few years' time. I don't know. Very odd. Yeah, very, very odd. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and not quite the thing that was needed to revitalise this car, I don't think. Yeah. Anyway, it's main event time. Cole calls Brock and Roman primetime players. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> make a move, make yeah. a move, make a million dollar move. <sighs> this whole Vince's boy build. Oh, God, yeah. It's almost like they're trying to piss everyone off. And if they are, then I applaud them for that because I love a good bit of shithousery. But, like, <laughs> shithousery. It's like, and they do, they are, they do it on purpose because they can't not be. They said, oh, well, Brock gets special privileges. It's just Roman. Roman's your... They're both your boys. Mm. Like, this whole time has just been a case of building up to Roman. Like, it's been, like, 12 months, if not more, in the making, this match. And it's one of those where you just feel like it's a foregone conclusion as to the result. We'll see how that goes, though. Oh, and notable quote from Heyman in the package here. You can't survive the F5! Oh, really? Ah, alright. We'll see about that. Five being the uh, <laughs> key number in that sentence. Maybe there's a reason they named it after the refresh key on, <laughs> on internet browsers. So it's our main event with the Universal title on the line. Brock Lesnar defending against Roman Reigns. Brock goes right to work with big shoulders. Roman hits big right hands. And then Suplex City and Superman City... Krypton are in session Brock takes a massive tumble over the top rope from a clothesline blocks the Superman punch off the stairs with a belly to belly CM Punk chants can fuck right off Mm. what the hell was that belly to belly spot on the table meant to be well that wasn't supposed to happen apparently because the German announced team didn't know about it and it was just Brock doing what he wanted to do in the match Mm. apparently right they then fuck up another table spot. Roman trying to spear Brock into the tables or something. I don't know. Superman punching a pair of spears gets Roman a near fall. 
The fans seem really distracted. I'm guessing there's a beach ball or some shit. Mm-hmm. Excellent high knee counter to the spear by Brock. And then he hits the F5 for a two count. And then he hits the F5 for a two count. And then he hits the F5 for a two count. Fans chant boring. So Brock does the F5 through a table instead. And then the F5 for a two count. Which gets Viss's awful chance. Just as Brock opens up Roman Hardway with an elbow to the head. Because that worked really well for Randy Orton, didn't it? That was bizarre to me. An entertainment product that is so like heavy on concussions. And you just had a match with Daniel Bryan, who had to retire for two years for concussions. To then allow Brock Lesnar to try and open someone up the hard way just seems stupid. Surely blading is better than doing it that way. The thing that I am really confused with is... From what I can gather, there was only Brock that knew that was going to happen because it wasn't Vince's call because that's what Vince essentially was pissed about. I think Roman, he'd have to have given consent for that. Like, I don't care who you are, there's no way he's doing that without having, having had Roman agree then to it. surely would Vince be pissed at Roman as well or is it because it was Brock's idea that it's then the, the blame goes to Brock? Because a bit of blame would go to Roman for saying, yeah, go on, do it. Whereas if, would Brock still have done it if Roman said, no, we're not doing it? I would imagine that Vince would have said it's okay. Because it's these two. This match wasn't helped by the blood. But there are certain matches that benefit from it, I feel. Not as it was in the Attitude Era where everyone bled. For me, the appeal of it, not the appeal, but the, the impact of it is when it happens rarely. Whereas it yeah. seems to happen in every Brock Lesnar match. Someone ends up bleeding in some way. It's his, My main issue with Brock is that every match is near enough the same. So you can look at two possibilities here. Either Brock called this on the fly to try and get some interest back in the match. Or they're putting it out that Vince was displeased at this spot because they want to make you believe that Brock is this big bad boy. I suppose it's going to be worth it in the end if this all sets up Reigns for his big winning moment to overcome all of this punishment. So Reigns hits a pair of spears for a two count. So he's inching closer and closer and closer. Oh, Brock hit the F5 for a three count and retained in 15 minutes and 55 seconds. Okay. That was kind of where we were at. Yeah. (laughs) It was definitely a surprise. Whether it was a good surprise or a bad surprise, I'm still not quite sure. It wasn't helped by the fact that everybody in the the stadium felt like they knew the result as well. So there was absolutely no interest from the crowd. I think that was the main thing that hurt this match. You can have bad matches, but if the crowd are into it, it makes it a better match. Mm. So you look at Hogan and The Rock at WrestleMania, like that wasn't a great match in a technical sense, but because the crowd was so into it and was so like vocal, it made it a better match. Mm. Uh, this match, sorry, didn't even have the interest of the fans that were more interested in a beach ball in the crowd. And I think, from what I've read since, that was the, that's the main problem, that, or the, one of the main reasons they've not given the belt to Roman Reigns, is that it's your, your, the pinnacle of the year, it's your main event of your, your main show, and the crowd aren't interested. And again, we go back to how long it is, like the crowd have been in there for, for seven hours at this stage, including the pre-show. We only watched the main show on that Monday and we were still ready for 
for turning it off at this stage. And there's an element of me that feels sorry for Roman Reigns because he's not been asked to put in the position where everyone hates him and no one wants him to do well. To spend a year thinking that you're going to win it at WrestleMania and then find out the week of that you're not must be pretty difficult. But it was certainly an odd match. It won't be one that I'll be rushing to watch again. It's a really hateful and cynical match, to be honest. Mm. I don't know what it is. Roman, he wrestles excellently throughout the year, and then we get to WrestleMania, and all he can do is a Superman punch. That's on Brock. I don't think that's on Roman. The way that the match is set up, he can't do anything but that sort of stuff. But we've had this three years in a row now. It's the same story when he wrestled Triple H. It's the same story when he wrestled The Undertaker. Maybe it is all these patronising veterans going, oh yeah, I'll lead you through this or something. But you look at the, the Roman Reigns that you get throughout the regular calendar year and you look at the Roman Reigns in WrestleMania and it's a big study in contrast to me. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And you've got to look at the people who are putting these matches together as well. I think was it Michael Hayes who was putting this one together. The problem with kicking out finishes is that if you do it all the time, it loses the effect. Like, if you think back to, say, last year at WrestleMania when Brock won it off Goldberg, when he countered that spear, that was a big thing because he, the last match that he'd had against him, complete whitewash, complete, like, run him over, yeah. finished inside two minutes. And then as soon as Brock sort of jumped over that spear, which was an amazing spot, you invested in it because it, the element of surprise is there and the element of, sort of, it's something fresh. Whereas with this... We've seen this match multiple mm. times. Yeah. And mm. Part of that is Brock, because every Brock Lesnar match seems to be the same. And I was sort of contrasted in this match because I didn't really want Roman Reigns to win because I'm not a massive fan of him. But then the belt needs to mean something. And at the minute, I don't think the Universal title means anything because it's not being defended regularly. You look at, the, at AJ with the SmackDown belt and everything that that's been in the last 12 months and... That is still, even they refer to it as the WWE Championship. And that, to me, is the one that still holds more sort of prestige. It exists in sort of day-to-day storylines, whereas with Brock, he turns up maybe 10, 12 dates a year and then nothing else, I think. It needs to come off him at some point. I think whoever gets the belt off Brock, with the exception of Roman, would be it would be a massive face. They would need to, to yeah. do that. The likelihood is, I would imagine, is that he'll win it in the greatest Royal Rumble in the cage match. Well, I don't know. We're getting awful close to Brock having a bigger title reign than CM Punk. And I reckon mm. we could be heading to, just like they did with AJ Lee and just like they did with other people they weren't keen on, just this erasure of people. Happened to Brock? Mm-hmm. Fucked off. Okay, Randy Orton's the youngest champion now. But yeah, anything else to add, Kyle? Nothing really. I just, for me, WrestleMania ended after Styles and Nakamura. That was the main event. The other two were dark matches. That's how it felt anyway. Well, speaking of WrestleMania ending, what was with a really weird thing where they did the wrap-up recap yeah, video? Yeah, I thought that was odd. And then they cut to Roman again, just being all sad panda. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, well, we've not had the, the little logo in the corner that you usually get at the end, so, so some... maybe there's something else going to happen, and then it was just Roman looking sad. I'm assuming what they were trying to do is trying to make you feel sorry for him, but it's very difficult to feel sorry for him. Yeah, very, very odd. 
ending the show with a whimper, really. Thoughts on the show overall? It was not a bad main air, I don't think. To use a, a popular cliche, it was a show of two halves. The first half was, was phenomenal leading up to the Rousey and Triple H and, and Stephanie match. It definitely tailed off. But other than the final match, which was sort of a sour note to end it on, it was more just to do with the how long it took. The matches themselves weren't bad matches at all. I think there's certainly been worse WrestleManias in the last few years. Like I said before, I like that nearly every match actually meant something other than the, the tag titles, really, because I'm assuming that they'll probably end up back with Sheamus and Cesaro. I agree with Dave. It wasn't your worst mania. It's just a, a mediocre mania. There were some good matches. There were some not-so-good matches. Best match, shall I say, was in, in the middle of mania, which was my boy Triple H. Uh, that was worked perfectly. I think, for me, the standout was Ronda. I think she was incredible. Definitely shocked me. I mm. thought it, she'd be quite rusty, but she did not look rusty at all. It was a WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Dave, you go the same way, Ronda's standout? Yeah, and I think it goes back to us saying we had zero expectations going into that match. Mm. It was a bit of a curious one as to see how she would do. Which was that was my only sort of intrigue was the only thing that I could say about that match, and she she definitely reached my expectations and surpassed them. The important bit is now going forwards as she starts to build up a little bit of a sort of more full time schedule. Hopefully she doesn't just sort of become a bit of a one trick pony and the, the story that they they take us on over the next sort of twelve months is will get, keep us invested. I think I read that they're going for hoping to do a, the first women's main event next Wrestlemania yeah and they're going to be doing Rousey versus Charlotte so they're going to be building up to that for the next 12 months or so yeah which hopefully I just she doesn't sort of tail off and lose the momentum that they've because they, they, they've done it perfectly like they, they do a lot they sort of mess up a lot of stuff like the main event of this year's Mania for example but that all elements of it were completely spot on. Whether or not that's Triple H and Stephanie's like project that they've taken on and said, right, well, we'll sort of take this mm. as our section. And yeah. I feel like she'll have been brought in by them as a sort of their idea. And it, sort of, you've got to trust them at this stage to, to know what they're doing. Yeah. We know that they don't really do long-term storytelling on the main roster, as was evidence with... Lesnar, Lesnar winning. I'm excited. I'm, for me, it's someone that I would pay to go and see. So I think she's she's doing a few tour dates in Europe in the next few months, and if she was doing a show near us, I'd certainly consider going watching it purely to see to see her, which is is what they aim for really. Yeah. So it can only be a good thing going forward. Sure. Yeah. This show's really weird. The kickoff show. Inessential but fun, and then it's kind of awkward because it definitely kind of like tails off a third of the way through. But I mean, like you were saying, Kyle, you consider the show over after AJ and Nakamura. Yeah. Other than the US title match, the main card was really hitting it out of the park with the IC title match and the SmackDown women's title match, and then the mixed tag. Those are really, really good stuff, really, really in line with what you'd expect out of a WrestleMania. And then after that, 
where would I really stop the show at this point? Because everything then is... It's not actively bad, but there's still so many elements missing to it that stops them from being an absolute home run. Like, I'd think about, well... Maybe I'd cut things off at Cena and Undertaker because that was quite a well-done angle in the end. But then, oh, but then that Brian's there next match, even though the match isn't that good. It's Brian, it's exciting. And then, you know, you got you carry on and you've got the women's title match. It's like, oh, well, they didn't get it 100% right. There's a big moment for Nia. And then, you know, you carry on. And there's redeemable stuff in some of this mediocrity is just they kind of shoot themselves in the foot so mm. I would argue there were more positives than negatives overall I would say it was more positive than negative yeah yeah, 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 um, yeah. which is all you can really ask for that like I, said, I wouldn't say it was a bad mania by any stretch of the imagination yeah I just think it was a a middle in one yeah I, I'd say you're talking more positives for later on coming up as opposed to positives on the night, on the show, mm. really. My favourite match was Asuka and Charlotte, really. I thought they put an absolute clinic, despite that weird finish. Mm. And for me, like the standout was, yeah, Ronda. Mm. Just perfect execution in terms of what they wanted from her and transitioning her star power over to their world. Yeah, It worked really well. So that'll wrap it up for this show. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast. You can follow all of our comings and goings. Subscribe on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio so you don't miss an episode ever again. There's also a handy playlist of all of our past episodes so far on our SoundCloud page. And we're also on Facebook. Next time, probably try and do something for the next time we're at Progress, I guess. Yes. End of May. Yeah, like 20 ish, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, progress of their big Victoria Warehouse show. We're all going to go down, so we'll see if we can organise a meetup and yeah. have a look at how that does. Definitely. So, it's a goodbye from Kyle. Goodbye, see you next time. It's a goodbye from Dave. See you later. And it's a goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road. <laughs>